social media, Facebook, or streaming later. Uh, we thank you for being a part of our service as well. And we're here to help you. If you have any needs, please let us know. But we welcome each and every one in this very place today, and thank you for being present today. And I trust that our hearts are gathered together in joy and in celebration uh, because we focus on Jesus. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you give us opportunity this morning to be together as a body in Christ to be friends together because we are friends of the Most High God. We thank you for your love and your care and your protection. We look to you for strength. We look to you for guidance. But we realize that in all of this that we know that we have, we realize that our time today is a time set aside not only physically but in our hearts, wherever we are, to worship you to lift you up and just to bless your name and to realize that you are God. Lord, we ask that you amaze us today, that you amaze us this week. We ask for miracles. We ask for, for you to take care of this world and this world situation that we're in. And we ask that you just lay your hand upon each and every one who is sick, those who live in fear, and those who are surrounded by uh, just the uncertainty of their life that you grant to them encouragement and strength and happiness and joy and peace because we know that you are that God of joy. 
and that you are the God of peace, that you are our friend, that you are our provider. And we just bless your name because of all that you are and all that we will discover you are in the near future. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, as we continue in our Advent season, we move over to the lighting of our third candle. And I realize that two of them are not burning, but we will get them all three burning here. We, a couple weeks ago, we lit the, the love candle that is now lit. Uh, we lit the uh, peace candle. And today, we light the third candle in that of joy. And, you know, when you think of Christmas, you know, a child says, whoa, they walk into your house and they see all these gifts under the tree. There's a lot of joy. You know, I'm watching our, our grandchildren. And as small as they are, they know that the tree and all the decorations is different uh, than it was two, two and a half weeks ago. And they're pointing all this out. And they're starting to discover that there's something in those boxes that rattle and make noise. And they know, okay, something's there that's different. We know that joy is there. But we're talking about something beyond the physical. We're talking about something beyond the immediate or the temporal. We're talking about something that's deep within us. You know, the scriptures speak that I, I, as the angel said to the shepherds, I give you uh, good tidings of what? Great joy. And that's what Christmas is about. He didn't say I give you good tidings of a lot of presents and decorations and etc. I give you good tidings of great joy that will be to all the people. When they put their eyes on Jesus and realize Jesus is the Messiah, there is joy that's transferred into the human heart. And so that's what Christmas is about. And so this Sunday we celebrate the joy that we have in Jesus. Amen. Right, guys, today's message is entitled Son of God, Son of Man, Son of God. And it's found in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. It's a passage of scripture that familiar to you, obviously, as you look into the first couple of chapters of Luke, it's obviously speaking in regards to the birth story and what had taken place and what had happened, not only to Elizabeth, but what happened as well uh, to Mary, and which we'll deal with more so next week in Luke chapter 2. But in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verses 26 uh, through verse 38, it's, uh, and we'll read that momentarily in the, in the message. But think about this. Think about the amazement of the Christmas story. Think about the hearts of the people that were completely caught off guard by the uh, ministry or the message of the angels and yet the ministries that were going to happen all over the world because of this one Announcement, The announcement not only that preceded the greatest announcement all in that of Elizabeth and then Mary, you know, we know that things began to unfold according to the scriptures that were prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before. Just as it was said, it came about. And yet we must continually trust in the God who could do something as remarkable as the communication to all humanity, his love and grace, we must also trust that God is in control of our very life today. There was a news story several years back in the Associated Press about an experiment by the University of Minnesota to foil Christmas tree thieves. 
it seems that the years before, the university lost, you know, several evergreens to the poachers. So the university began spraying the evergreen furs with the um, with skunk scent. <laughs> yes, skunk scent. Well, for years, according to the report, the Christmas tree thieves had been sawing down trees in the middle of the night, and it went all the way to to year 2002. So it wasn't too long ago they lopped off the top of many of the 18 to 20 foot trees, just using the tops of them as beautiful Christmas trees. So you ask the question, why skunk scent? Well, can you think of something worse? One of the superintendents was asked. Cold weather masks the smell, but warm indoor air releases it. So you probably can get the satisfaction to know that some people are going crazy in their homes trying to figure out why it stinks so. How do, you, how do you change human behavior? You know, make the consequences so unpleasant that people never want to do such an experience again. Well, if we knew that principle was true and really worked, then we have to answer the question, why do so many people who go to prison do repeat crimes after being in prison? So, yet on this day of Advent, the third Sunday of Advent is about joy. It's about joy and it's about what happens to the human heart. And when Christ invades the human heart, there is joy beyond measure. There is life beyond what we once could see. There is the touch of the invisible and yet the powerful uh, inundation of His Holy Spirit in everyday life. We take notice that God is magnificent we take notice that God is a God of righteousness. We move deeper into the Christian story and we realize that that child was birthed just for me and just for you. Every individual who looks into that manger sees the amazement of what this whole story is about. And we'll read it in just a moment. And yet, why did God come down to where we are? Why take the form of a helpless babe? Yet this was God's way of changing the heart of humanity. And so why did he come down? Why did he communicate to us? Why in such a helpless form as a child? It is so that he could change human hearts. And yet to get each heart steadfast and focused upon who he is, that he is a God who is magnificent and he is a God who is full of righteousness. God became human flesh. And that's an amazement. And if God could do something as miraculous as that, then he can do the amazement in your life and mine today and all over the world. The scriptures read, and reading today from the NIV, just because of the, the, the flow of the wording, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. 
The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How would this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Psalm 91. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is actually in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May it be to me as you have said. That's a beautiful story, isn't it? You see fear. You see questioning. You see, you see wonderment. You see amazement. You see a, a heart that finally says to God, I submit to you. And I realize that you know more about me than I know about myself. And you know more about Elizabeth than she knew about herself. And you can do what looks like in man's eyes, mankind's eyes, the impossible. You can do what looks to us as impossible. And nothing to you is impossible because all things are possible with the God who, is, who we call the Most High who will take shadow and refuge and protection under his shadow. What an amazing story. The God of all creation became human flesh in a baby in Bethlehem. But why? Why did God come to where we are? Why take on the form of a helpless babe? And as we said, so that he could change one heart at a time to be more steadfast on him and to understand all that God could give each heart surrendered and, and, and asking and begging for salvation. Remember, the objective is not to overwhelm humanity. You know, God is the God of the impossible, right? He could have went, zip, I'll get it exactly the way I want it, zip, but he didn't. He doesn't want to rob humanity of the freedom. The object is to win the hearts and the souls of human beings in order to fashion a new creation. You remember in Revelation it says, the, the, you know, eventually the, the, the new heaven and new earth is created. God is from the very beginning has been moving toward a new creation. And you work towards that creation one heart at a time. If you want to change your family situation, begin in your own heart. And watch what happens to each heart involved. This is so mysterious as it sounds. It seems to be unbelievable, but it's not. 
It seems to be beyond our capability of, of grasping it, but it's really not. It's very simple. God is the God of the simple. He's not the God of the complicated. And he wants the simple to be understood that Jesus is there. The Son of God, Son of Man, is birthed. God himself birthed in the world so that we could see God in flesh. And one way to do that is to meet us where we are. He did not, he was not born in a palace. He was not born in all the royalty. Because if he was in a palace and in royalty, it would automatically exclude some people who could not enter into the palace and enter into the royalty. So he was birthed right where we are. So that every person, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're hungry or fed, whether they're royal or a, or a peasant, whether there's someone important and someone who's not, that he was birthed, he was presented to all the world for anybody who wanted to receive him. That's God. You know, here's, we understand that, that, that the objective is how would, how, how would God accomplish this? We said just a moment ago, God would become one of us. I like to know that God understands human life. He understands that sometimes the bones crack and the eyes go bad and our stomach gets upset, that we have headaches, that we don't feel like getting out of bed, that he understands human life. He was God in flesh, but yet he was without sin, so he was in the confinements of human life. He bled if he cut his knee. He, he would break a bone if he fell. He understood the human body. And he understood it from the time of birth to the time of death. But he still holds one advantage, is he knows what it's like to be resurrected and to live in glory yet for us to experience. God, Son of Man, Son of God, He became one of us, mysterious as it is. One way, as we said, is to meet us to where we are to get rid of our own vestments of power so that we are not intimidated by the presence of the Most High. I like how some people tried to accomplish this same understanding of fitting in, of being like one of the guys, of just relating easier to those around him. One bank manager in North Fork uh, removed his name from the coveted parking place, president of the bank. So everybody knew not to park in his spot. So he changed it to employee of the month, and he started parking with everyone else to let others know that he was just like them. A guidance counselor in middle school in Jacksonville decided to walk the halls and the playgrounds two hours every day engaging in students in informal conversations to let them know that they were not above them but had related to them. Head honcho of computer software halted the practice of eating lunch with his executives and the important people of the company and decided to dine in the company cafeteria 
moving from a different table each and every day. Cleveland, Ohio, the president of Wholesale Paper Company turned his office into an employee lounge and created an open office for himself in the middle of the warehouse. And all of this was an attempt to relate to the people that they had employed under them so that they realized that they as a boss was just like them, not immune to anything else. You see, God emptied himself the significance of that babe in the manger. God, who was all-powerful, made his appearance not in strength, but he made it in absolute weakness. And he did it in such an intimidating way. I remember when I held Benjamin, our firstborn, for the first time. And, and Benjamin was struggling to breathe when he was born. He f- swallowed some of the amniotic fluid, and it caused you know, problems in the lungs. Renee was recovering because she had to have an emergency C-section and I, and I couldn't really go into the intensive care unit because he was still being tended to and cleaned up. But they let me at least go to the doorway that he was at. And... Sorry. <laughs> he, and I called his name. And that little fellow, you know, they say babies don't know their name until a certain time. He knew at least his daddy's voice because him laying his head was, was here. I'm behind him. And that little fellow laying on that little gurney turned his head and cut his eyes back at me. And I remember that's all I got to see him for the first few hours because I couldn't touch him while they were working on it. You know, the helplessness the innocence, the non-intimidation of a child. How people abuse children, I cannot fathom it. And yet, such a non-threatening way as a child. And without, without his crown, the God of this world presented himself just like we are. I love the story of reception honoring Uh, Sir Robert Mayer on his 100th birthday, an elderly British socialite, Lady Diana Cooper, fell into conversation at this reception with a friendly lady who seemed to just know her like a sister was sitting there at her table. Lady Diana's failing eyesight prevented her to be able to recognize who she was talking to. And as she began to, to listen a little bit more, and she began to, to, to focus, her failing eyesight, focus on exactly the figure in front of her, she realized she was talking to Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> Overcome with embarrassment, she got up, she curtsied, apologized, ma'am, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't recognize you without your crown. Listen to this, guys. People recognize God without his crown. Because something happened to the human heart when they looked in and pierced into the eyes of that child in that manger. They realize that they're looking at the Son of God, Son of Man. They're recognizing, they're looking at God himself identifying with humanity 
and their heart is gleaming much like the story in the Grinch. When the Grinch gets overfilled, his heart burst out. And that's what was happening as he was changing one heart at a time. The manger of Bethlehem, God looked just like everyone else. Except for a few star-strucken shepherds, <laughs> along with a few astrologers from the east, most people were totally unaware of what was happening in the world. The lesson is, be careful when you judge by appearances alone. You may get a big surprise. Several years ago, one of the most remarkable men in the world died. You may have remembered the story. It was recorded in Time Life magazine. It was recorded in many different media outlets that we had in, in, in printed form. It was a native of Cape Town, South Africa. His name was Hamilton Naki. Hamilton was 78 years old. He should have enjoyed worldwide fame. He should have been as honored in, in, in all of the world with his accomplishments. But he was a black man living in oppression. Very few people knew his story and knew the story of such an extraordinary man. Hamilton Naki was a former gardener who left high school because his family couldn't afford even the fees to go to public schools. He took his first job at age 14, cutting grass at the University of Cape Town. In 1954, he was promoted to helping care for laboratory animals. Soon he progressed from cleaning cages to more advanced lab work. After a professor at the university noticed that Hamilton was a very gifted individual, he asked him to help him anesthetize animals used to train students in surgery. His skills, he says, I, he has skills that most, the doctor said he has skills that most people could not even dream of having. If Hamilton would have had the opportunity to perform, uh, he would have probably become the most brilliant surgeon on the planet. Bernard, Christian Bernard, was the surgeon who was speaking about the joy of knowing Hamilton. Bernard asked Mr. Hamilton to be on his backup team to become the world's, who he had become the, the world's first successful heart transplant in December 1967. But it violated country's laws on racial segregation, which dictated at that time that blacks should not be given medical training nor have contact with white patients. So very few people knew of Hamilton's natural brilliance. It was Mr. Hamilton who taught medical students to perform delicate liver transplants on pigs, a procedure said to be more complicated than human heart transplants. Doctors who observed Mr. Hamilton or Mr. Naki's work used to describe how he managed to join the minute blood vessels with amazing delicacy 
and accuracy and finished operations that students had started on animals. The head of the Liver Research Center, Ralph Kirsch, described him as one of the most remarkable men who come around once in a lifetime. By the time he retired from the university in 1991, Hamilton had only made it to the level of laboratory assistant. And even though he had performed work that we pay brilliant, brilliant, brilliant scientists thousands upon thousands of dollars to do, he did it with a good heart. He had no, he had to be content of just being the man that he was on such a meager pension as a gardener. Mr. Naki once told an interviewer, those days you had to accept what you had and you had to do what people said you had to do because it was the law of the land. It was only after the demise of such oppression in 1994 in that country that, doc, that Mr. Naki, I almost said doctor, but Mr. Naki, you know, was recognized for his contributions. In 2002, his president gave him the country's highest order for the years of his entire public service. Mr. Naki said he hoped to set an example to young people to benefit from the opportunities of the new multiracial South Africa that they had previously been denied. I would like it a lot if the young generation, he said, would find inspiration in my work. Our country needs more doctors, especially for the disadvantaged communities. He once said, look at me, he said, it can happen and you can accomplish many things. Who would have thought that a school gardener assisted Christian Bernard in the world-shaking heart surgeries? Who would have thought that a baby born in a stable with donkeys, cows, and sheep would be the hope of the world? God emptied himself and became a human being. He became one of us. It's interesting that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, the message, Eugene Peterson, the author of the message, another translation of scripture, speaks of Christ coming in the world like this. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and he took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. And yet it was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claimed special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and died a selfless, obedient death, the worst kind of death at that, crucifixion. God became human flesh. God emptied himself and became a helpless babe. He came down to, to lift us up. And yet, when you think about what's the significance of the babe in the manger, the answer is already said ten times over. God emptied himself. Philippians 2 speaks about that emptying process of how we take on the example of Christ ourselves and we become an obedient servant. God came down to lift us up. And why was that? 
to make us into a new creation. And this is, this is the exciting part that I never thought about. Every person who walked into the manger on the day that Christ was born and the days that followed, who received this baby as the newborn king, who recognized him as son of man and son of God, who recognized that a miracle was happening from the most high God, who was recognizing that God was doing the impossible. Every person who looked into the eyes of that child and was affected was at that moment a new creation. And that's what happens when you receive the Christ child. A new creation is birthed. You're given the greatest gift of salvation. When people were coming to lay their gifts at the manger... Christ was already giving the gift of salvation to all who believed. A new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I could hear a spouse say to her husband or a husband say to his wife, I wasn't able to make it to that manger, but you're different. There's something in you I've never seen before. What, what happened? I saw God. That's what happened. I saw the miraculous. I saw the God of this world. I saw the God who I, I viewed as being this cosmic God away from me. I saw him in the flesh. And he looked back at me. And I received the gift. The gift of salvation. The gift of wholeness. The gift of love. The gift of grace. The gift of mercy. God desires to make a change in every heart and, and every Christmas gives us the hope that he does in every person. Maybe some who've never recognized Christmas as being a part of their life now recognizes that Christmas is not about all the extras. It's about one thing and it's Jesus. He is the answer. Dr. John Rosen, a psychiatrist in New York City, well known for his work with catatonic schizophrenics. Normally, doctors remain separate because of, you know, concerns, health issues, um, fear that someone may get violent and hurt you. But this doctor was different. Dr. Rosen and every one of his patients would move into the ward and he would live among them. He placed his bed along with their beds. He lives life the way they do. Day by day, he shares their world. And the reason why is he, he wanted to get into their mind. He wanted to know what they did, what they thought, how they responded, what triggered certain things. What was it that did this? What was it that caused this? And he day by day, he shared their world. He loved them. If they didn't talk, he wouldn't talk either. It was as if he understood everything that was happening around them. Communication sometimes was there, sometimes was not. Somebody understood them. Somebody cared for them. And he knew that that could be their hope, that that could be their remedy but then he does something else. He puts, them arms, he puts his arms around them. 
and he hugs them. He holds these unattractive, unlovable, sometimes incontinent persons and he loves them back to life, often with the first words they speak simply back to him is thank you. Thank you. This is what Christ did for us at Christmas. He moved into our ward with us. He placed his bed among our beds. Those who were there and those who saw him, those who touched him, were in turn touched back and were restored to life. The first word that many said back is thank you. Christmas is a time to say thank you. Thank you, God, for Jesus. So how would you go about changing human nature without robbing humanity of its freedom to choose life or death? God did it the only way possible. And he did it in the form of a child where he came down to where we are He emptied himself completely on our behalf so that we would respond in love. Wouldn't this be a good time to to open yourself to let the love of Christmas fill your heart? Why not let the love of Christmas fill your heart this day? This is a different year that we're in. Some are going to be home alone at Christmas. Some are going to brave and go out and be with their families. But some, out of fear of what we're going through, might find their Christmas to be an empty residence. A tree may be filled with presents waiting to be gifted to the ones they love that may sit there until April. Some may not. But guys, it's not about what's in our homes that we can see. It's about what's in our heart that we know and we feel. So this is a good time this Christmas to let the love of Christmas fill your heart over and above all the extras that we've come accustomed to in our lifetime. So there is some good, even in a pandemic, that we can be focused on and that we could see clearer than we've ever seen in our lifetime or ever. Thanks be unto God for the gift of Jesus. The gift of Jesus that means the world to you and me. And that means the world to everyone who receives this gift of Jesus as the best gift they've ever had. Father, we thank you that you give us privilege and honor and joy to be able to pause and recognize your giftedness to all humanity. The gift that keeps on giving, the gift that provides life, and a life that never ends, a life of everlasting. 
a gift that places us at the foot of our Lord and King to recognize that we are subject to the Most High God, a gift that gives us the shadow's protection, the gift that gives us power and weakness, the gift that gives us a clarity of mind in the face of confusion, that gives us hope in the face of uncertainty, the gift that gives to us every day that provides us life in abundance as well as life of everlasting for the future. A gift that keeps on giving that when we die, we live. A gift that says that I can be with God forever. A gift that says God is Lord and King. Lord, thank you. Thank you and thank you for Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. At a loss for words And the funny thing is It's okay The last thing I need Is to be heard But to hear What you would say Word of God speak Can you fall out like rain Watching my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know you're in this place. Please let me stay at rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. And I'm finding myself. In the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise, and all that I need is to be with you, and in the quiet, to hear your voice, the word of God speak, when you fall out like rain, watching my see your majesty to be still and know you're in this place please let me stay at rest with your holiness the word of God At a loss for words And the funny thing is It's okay Amen. Beautiful Beautiful